Hello everybody around the world and thank you for joining this episode of Wiki Update. My name is Jesse Asidu Akrofin, but the community calls me Jay Wally. In today's episode of Wiki Update, we are having the Branch Magazine edition. And in this edition, we would like to give an insight concerning what the Branch Magazine is. The Branch Magazine is an online magazine written by and for people who dream of a sustainable and just internet for all. It is open to people or participants who are interested in open tech and also open climate and more. So if you are interested in contributing your story or amazing engagement on this platform, you are welcome. Now, we'll be speaking to an amazing personality and he's in the person of Otuo Boachi Echampo. Otuo is an environmental research scientist and also someone who likes to engage in the open movement a lot. Now, he's going to give us much insight concerning how we can reimagine how the open movement can widen access, participation, and creation of solutions to climate issues in the global space. Can you stay tuned in and listen as he gives much insight to it? Thank you, Otu, for joining this episode of Wiki Updates. Kindly give a brief introduction of yourself. Thank you very much, um, JC, for this wonderful opportunity. I would also want to say a very big thank you to the audience who have given their time and attention to listen to me as I discuss issues in the climate space and the open movement. I am Otu Echampombwachi. I'm a research scientist. I'm a youth leader, climate advocate, and award-winning WFC, that is World Forestry Congress, Jew Forestry Change Maker. And so I would want to share a lot with the team and also with my audience in the climate space. Thank you. Okay, well, that's pretty much. Um, so, like we are looking at this topic, that's reimagining how the open movement and widening participation in creating and assessing solutions to the to the climate issues. So, Otto, what what's your take on this in relation to this topic? Once again, I would want to say thank you. Um, it's a very good question. More or less, I think we should delve into how we can create an understanding of the open movement for the audience to grasp and understand what the open movement seeks to achieve. So um, then we can just oppose that with our current happenings. That is how we can leverage on it to broaden our reach so far as the fight against climate change is concerned. So the open movement gives access to everyone to contribute to knowledge and data on the internet and in any area or spectrums of their lives. And so when we want to do this, we want to say that in the climate space, we also want to leverage on the opportunities that the open movement bring to give free access to people to communicate on their environmental stories and climate issues. And so it's a very good initiative to allow or to just oppose the open movement in our climate actions. And so, for instance, um, in a country like Ghana, where most young people have access to internet because of um, GPS, I'm um, sorry, GPRS, that is the phone, the cellular internet system, most people have access to information. And so we can leverage on this to be able to ensure that we reach our audience or reach the youth through the open space, yet just opposing whatever content there is with the climate um, actions we want to put across. 
So it's a very good initiative to just oppose the OP movement and the climate battle or the fight against climate change. Thank you. Climate um, activities that um, Ghanaians are facing now. And what, what kind of open technology do you think can be able to help in solve this kind of issues related to climate? Probably you could call more or probably you could um, talk extensively concerning some of um, the hardcore climate activities um, affecting Ghana, using some form of open source tools in solving those climate issues. Okay, thank you once again. And so um, I'm a storyteller, so I would want to start with a personal story. In the early years of 2020, I realized that we didn't have a lot of information on um, climate and environmental issues on the internet as Ghanaians and then as young people. And so um, we didn't have some of this information translated to local languages for our old folks who cannot speak English to appreciate. And then it will surprise you to know that about 70% of literature on climate and environmental issues are in the English language. But come to Ghana and ask yourself, how many people in Ghana do speak the English language? And so um, I took it upon myself to start a campaign to translate some of this information into local languages for people to appreciate and understand so that the climate issue might not be a health to them or the climate issue um, might not be something that is left for the white or the people in Europe or the Americas, but can also realize and feel it in their countries as Ghana, for instance, we have it here. And so with this particular project that I embarked on, we were translating climate information into local languages. So we did Triga, Hausa, and then also we added sign language to ensure inclusion. Because um, in the 21st century, we talk about inclusive agenda. The inclusive agenda talks about the fact that making information accessible to all. But then how does the open movement come in? That was when I got use of um, commons, that is the Wikipedia commons, to be able to share some of this information. So I could just upload some of my media on common and then people just share the link. People could just share it with their parents. They just press a click and then there they are listening to climate information in their local language. And so this provided a means for me to be able to increase the reach of the project that I, I embarked on. Now back to Ghana. We talked about climate actions in Ghana. Climate action globally is grouped into two, uh, into two. that is mitigation and adaptation. And personally, with my group, we have added resilience to it. And so mitigation is where we try to reduce the greenhouse gas emission. That is where we do tree planting, lots of activities to reduce CO2. And then the adaptation is where we build the capacity of people to be able to withstand or stand the changes that the uh, changing climate is bringing on them. So here we build the capacity of people to be able to stand the impacts of climate change. And the resilience is building the strength thereof. And so in Ghana, all these activities are going on. But then, because in the next few days, Ghana will be having this Green Ghana Day. Let me spend some time on that and talk about the mitigation approaches that we've done in Ghana. Basically, we do a lot of tree planting in Ghana. So this year, the government is looking at planting 20 million trees during the Green Ghana Day celebration. That's from June 10 to the end of the year. These are all activities that are being carried on in Ghana as part of um, the mitigation approach towards climate change, where we try to reduce greenhouse gas emission by planting trees. The science behind it is these are believed to be able to sequester carbon from the atmosphere through two, two main processes. That is, we can look at photosynthesis, that is the process whereby carbon dioxide and water are made in the presence of sunlight and chlorophyll to be able to produce glucose for us, where oxygen is reduced as uh, is produced as a byproduct. So that is one process. And then the 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 the, the the tree itself, the content of the tree, so we have above ground biomass, the content of the tree, that is the stem, the parts of the tree, are also they, are also, they also store carbon in itself. 
And so when you put down, when you put that or you plant a tree today, you are one, storing carbon in the tree itself, and two, they're also making good use of atmospheric carbon, that is carbon dioxide in the air. And so this is what we do so much in Ghana. So we know most organizations in Ghana are doing tree planting. My organization does a lot of tree planting, that's the Eco Warriors Movement. We do, we do tree planting a lot. Other organizations that are in the environmental space also do a lot of tree planting. Now, let's see, how can we leverage on technology? Here, let me get singular technology. There's another technology that my organization has partnered with another organization in the U.S. that is called Green Stands, where we are able to locate the trees we plant with their GP, GPS so that we can even sit in our offices and then monitor our trees. One of the greatest challenge to tree planting is that most people, after planting the tree, do not monitor the tree to see it grow. And so most of the success rate of tree planting activities are very low. Survival rate can be around 40 to 50 percent for most of them because just after planting, it becomes a day's event. They plant for the cameras and then they leave. But tree planting should be seen as an event. Uh, sorry, it should be seen as a movement. It should be should be seen as an activity that is carried on for the first six months, where you provide water for the trees. You manure it even if you miss it because you need the tree to grow. And so um, we are leveraging the technology now. And so we are able to get the GPS of our of our trees, where we are able to do monitoring through the virtual means. So we're able to monitor our trees and then. That gives us be able to monitor the progress of the trees we plant. And this, we are using technology because green stands provide a platform for us. So with the application, we're able to load the trees we plant into the application, then it's connected to the cloud, and we can then observe and then monitor the growth of the tree thereof. And so these are some of the ways in which technology is helping us in the climate space or I mean, the environmental sector to be able to monitor our trees when we plant them. That is one. Then there's another thing I would want to talk about. Um, you know, Article 6 of the UNFCCC, that is the United Nations uh, Framework uh, on Climate Change Convention, talks about education. Article 6 of that convention talks about education. And then the article shares the fact that, um, of the, the article of the convention shares the fact that it seeks to reduce the impact of climate change by enabling society to be part of the solution. And so education and training are integral in enabling citizens' uh, contribution to local and global effects to meet climate change challenge. This is what the um, article talks about. And so in, in realizing this, we can see that open movement gives us a leverage to be able to educate people, even in their subconscious and their, their unconscious level. Because now you go to, say, you go to Wikipedia and then whatever you read on Wikipedia, it, anytime you search for anything, what pops out first is from Wikipedia. So assuming I'm searching on climate mitigation and an information on Wikipedia pops out first, I may be tempted to read. As I'm reading, though, it's for my subconscious. It gets the information to me. So we can also leverage on this to also share information out there. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, that, that was pretty much an awesome talk. But I would also like to find out, um, within the popping uh, space, I learned that you um, partook in um, a green project that was called the Wiki Green Corn. And I believe that you guys had um, a huge impact on that project. Um, I'd like to find out, can you give us a gist concern, because you are, in the, you are in the open space, so can you give us a gist on how um, participants um, join you guys in order to um, have a wonderful stay um, by contributing to the open space relating to climate? How, 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 how did the event go? Um, were the participants impacted enough for them to get the skill that is needed in order for them to contribute to their open space, thereby you know, providing some form of um, access or some form of open tools 
to ensure that people are able to get the knowledge that they need in order to solve climate issues. You see, um, thank you very much. I wish I could read some posts on LinkedIn and then Facebook and then um, other platforms of participants of the conference, the Wiki Green conference we had. And then this, those are enough testimonies for you to, 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 to know the level of impact we created. Now with the Wiki Green conference, we sought to bring to the doorstep of young people means of communicating their climate and environmental story using the open platforms. So that was the main objective of us. We sought to reach young people at their doorsteps. So how could they do that? You know, before you can communicate, you need information. And so we brought experts in the climate space to meet with young people and teach young people or expose them, open them up, broaden their knowledge and let them know what they can share. So that was the main objective. So we had two groups of people. We had the experts coming in, then we had the young people coming in. So the young people then becomes the voice of the experts. You know, most of the experts, somebody like me, I don't really have time to sit on Facebook or whatever to, to write. You know, we are old. The younger generation is taking up now. And then those guys are very sharp on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. They are very sharp. And so we brought some of us, the experts, to sit with the young ones, then educate them on how they can report the environmental stories using their platforms. And then so it, it, it will surprise you to know that most of the young ones spend a little over a little um, a little between six to eight hours on their phones every day doing social media. And so if these people are informed such so that they can also communicate, look at the reach, the number of people we can reach um, with our climate information. Then we showed them how to use the Wikimedia tools to communicate some of the environmental stories. And I, I bet you um, this conference, if not next year, must be repeated this year because the impact is great. We have a lot of people who, are, who have called after the conference, sharing their testimonies, the knowledge they had, and, and, and the information now they have to share. And it was very successful. Thank you. Wow. That's that's so talking talking about data. Talking about data, can you give us some form of um, data in the global and local perspective, and generally in relation to climate? So let me see. For example, if you are picking um, something like rainfall, probably you could have um, detailed statistics around or any um, climatic activities that. Um, affects Ghana globally or in the local space because you know quite you know that at the moment Ghana is in its rainy season and you know all the time when Ghana faces its rainy season there, there's a lot of flood there's a lot of um, um, activities that happen and people become homeless and other stuff so like I would like to find out like uh, if there could be some form of data backing um, various cli climate activities in Ghana and also probably data backing solutions to those climate um, activities in Ghana because you know that we are all aware that the president in the country far back um, said he'll, be, he'll try and work on um, various um, climatic activities related to the rainfall but still we still um, feel impact when the uh, rain falls so Aside, I'm just talking about rainfall because I'm, I'm just using it as an example, but probably you can 
um, related to um, other climatic activities. So if you can provide us with some data and some solutions related to the data. So um, because of the cosmopolitan nature of my audience, let me not make this presentation too scientific. Let me relate to them in the language they can best understand. So okay. I would want to speak to issues on the grounds now. Now, okay. just take this one. Out of the 10 most, um, out of the 10 countries in the world that are most hit by the impacts of climate change, eight of those countries are in Africa. Yet Africa is among the least um, regions that emit greenhouse gases. So you can see where we are going now. Now, landscape report by Christian Aid. That is a climate change related, climate change organization. Okay, they say that crisis in Africa alone will cost more than 120.1 billion crisis resulting wow. from climate change alone. Okay, in Ghana. And this was as at 2020. Um, you can look out for my article. I've written an article on um, Africa must wake up to climate change. It's an article that's published. I think more than Ghana did that. It's published elsewhere. So you can just read around it and you see as at um, even in 2020, um, 2020, when I did that, that article, you realize the, 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 the significance of climate change in Africa. Okay, it is surprising to note that um, out of the 13 major disasters that were recorded, okay, in um, 2020, as a result of climate change, okay, one, only just one recorded, was recorded in Africa. And that one was the second deadliest, where we lost about 1,300 lives. You see, wow. so, um, in 2020, we recorded about um, 13 major disasters, most being cyclones. So one, that's Cyclonidae. Cyclonidae killed around 13, um, sorry, 1,300 lives. So you can see, when you talk about Africa, then let me, let me narrow it down and then zero in on Ghana. In Ghana, in the past months, the issue of Keta Sea defense has become a news item of discussion on all the social media platforms and even in the news portals in Ghana here. So building a sea defense wall at Kita in its environs, and then going to the voter region area. This is a clear indication that climate change has moved from a theoretical talk to more or less a practical issue that we can just see and appreciate in our communities. You talked about the changing rainfall patterns. For you, you are lucky in Accra, you're having some rain, so you are facing flood. In the north, as it starts now, in the northern part of Ghana, the rains have not yet started as it's supposed to do. So you see that in Ghana, we do have this uh, major rainy season and this minor rainy season. And so if um, if you can go back to the Ghanaian language, that is tree. You know, do you know why um, February is called Ojifo in tree? Ojifo, Oji means savior, Fo means farm. So it means Ojifo is where the showers of rain should start. So it means when you get into February, you should you are expecting some showers of rain so that all farms that were dry, you know, January is up a pond, up a pond is up means up a is hamatan. Pond mm -hmm. means the biggest. So the biggest hamatan happens in January. So from December, December is openima. Nima means small. Ope means drought. So openima means um, small drought. Then in January, you have up a pond, that is the biggest drought. Then in February, you have Ojifu. So in February, you start because during the drought periods, all farms are dried. So you don't see any green. But in February, you have to start seeing showers of rain that will regreen the farms that were made brown due to the drought in December and January. So in February, farmers become happy because they are going to see showers of rain. But I can promise you for the past five years or six years, February has been experiencing upper pond even more than January. Even in March, where we are supposed to get rains. And in April, 
Apple is oforisio. Sio means water. So oforisio means that now you are getting that kind of showers that would um, 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 help farmers. So those who are planting maize, that is the time you begin to plant the maize and other stuff like that. But now, even in February, what are we seeing? Uh, even in April, what are we seeing? In April, we are still seeing drought. And so this is practical. You can appreciate it in Ghana. So most people, and then let me, I have worked with rice growers, uh, rice farmers for some time now, and I can share the experience with you that most rice farmers who normally would be expecting the rains in April, and so they start planting in somewhere in um, March to meet the rains in April, all lost their rice plantations because they couldn't meet the rains in April. Some farmers who also planted in early April to meet, uh, planted maize in the early April to, to meet um, the rains. So these are all, the changing rainfall pattern is actually a threat to food security in Ghana. And so now everybody is complaining. During the current statistics, we realized that food inflation was the highest in Ghana. And then most people were blaming the government for that. But I think we should all come to a point where we realize that the changing um, climate is affecting our food security as a nation. And so we shouldn't just put the blame on the government, but we should look out for means we can be able to address the changing climate or the issues pertaining to climate change. And then we'll be good to go with that. And so let's not cry when we see food inflation being the highest. And for the past, uh, from statistics, it's, it's said that over the past um, 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 10 years or so, um, this, this year is the only year where we have seen um, food inflation being the highest. People are attributing it to um, Ukraine, Russia, or whatever. But I would say, as an environmental research scientist, I would say that we should be looking at the changing rainfall pattern that is affecting food production in the country, and for that matter, agriculture. We should just move from the traditional, ordinary agriculture to the climate smart agriculture so that we can be able to move forward as a nation. Thank you. So I'd like to find out that was pretty much awesome concerning the data that you provided in, in relating to um, some literary terms you give concerning um, the month of the year. That, that was awesome, and you were just opposing it very well. So I'd like to find out. Um, do you think having open communities is the best way to go in relation to climate activities in order to solve issues that are arising? Thank you, JC. You know, one thing that the open movement brings is the fact that it gives everyone the voice to contribute to situations or issues surrounding him or her. And that is the greatest thing or the greatest asset we need in our fight against climate change. And so I would always say, that the open movement can be a panacea to the climate um, issues you are facing if it is rightly used. So come to think of it, all climate issues, though they're interrelated, they are country or area specific. So in your earlier question, you talked about Accra flooding, but somebody in the North needs the rains in Accra now. And so what do we do? Do we say it shouldn't rain any longer? Because the farmer at Poteyaboa or Etwini Nyansa needs these rains to be able to grow or plant his, 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 his produce. And so should we say we should, we should, we should, we should it um, rain in Accra? That is why we need the open movement, such that wherever you are, you may have a voice to contribute. And so when policymakers sit to make policies, they may have informed um, 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 decisions to make. They may have to make informed decisions because they may have information from all carriers. So somebody from, um, or whatever it's called from the northern part of Ghana has said something that's contributed to information. Somebody from um, a new place, the far end of the voter region has also contributed. So you have, you have a lot of information to be able to decide and make right um, decision for your people. 
And that is what the open movement offers us. Everybody can contribute at any point in time, at any way, wherever you find yourself. You might not even be in Ghana, but you might be on top of issues in Ghana and you will be able to contribute as wherever you are. That is the, that is the good thing that open movement has brought to us. And so I think we should, as um, climate and environmental scientists, take good, um, take and make good use of the OP movement in addressing some of these issues. Thank you. So where, where do we go from here as a community? Where do we go from here? Jesse, Jesse, I should be asking you this question. Where do we go from here? Because you are in the <laughs> OP movement, you have access to experts like myself and others. So where do we go from here? Just as you are using your platform now to protect climate and environmental issues. And then let me say this. In the Wiki Green Conference, we're actually looking at the triple planetary crisis. Um, the triple planetary crisis, as deemed by the UN, is the three most pressing and important threats to the planet. That is climate change, pollution, and biodiversity loss. So in the Wiki Green Conference, where we had in Accra and in Kumasi, we had one session in Accra, we had another session in Kumasi. We were trying to see how we can leverage on the Wikimedia and then the open projects, uh, the open movement, to be able to address these three planetary uh, or the triple planetary crisis, either concurrently or individually. So you see, you are using your platform to project climate information now. So you are there. That is the way to go now, that young people will rise up to the occasion, that young people will realize that they shouldn't just use the open, the access to open movement and then the opportunities that the open movement comes with for just fun and entertainment. But they can use it to recreate and reform the environment. But they can use it to create the environment or the planet they envision for the future generation. And I've always said this, unless young people come to realize that the environment or the planet we see today is not an inheritance bequeathed to us by our forefathers, but rather a resource we have borrowed from future generations, where one day we shall give account of our stewardship and present back to the future generation the environment we came to meet or the planet we came to meet. We cannot make a, we cannot make his way. And so young people, the way to go now is that every young person out there should be concerned about a triple planetary crisis and start making ways to be able to restore, one, preserve, two, conserve, three, the planet we have today, making good use of the open movement and access to internet and technology. Thank you. Wow, that, that was pretty much awesome. So yeah, so my platform, as you said, it's, it's open to um, everything related to the open movement. So um, surely I'll be pushing things relating to climate and other stuff on my platform. So thank you, Otsu. Thank you, Otsu, for big mention of that. Also, like I would like to know, What's your final words to the audience in the global space at large um, concerning um, open climate in the open movement? Thank you very much. Um, Jesse, I've always said on many platforms, on most of the international platforms I've spoken, that the ordinary Ghanaian, and for that matter, the African, his major concern is not his environment, but rather how to put food on the table. Because poverty is endemic in Africa and in Ghana. And so if I've not eaten, you don't expect me to be planting trees. If I don't have the means to provide, I have a family. If I don't have a means to provide for my family, you don't expect me to be talking about climate change, talking about climate change. 
Because according to Abraham Maslow's theory of needs, food, clothing, and shelter, you know, that pyramid is the basic one. And everybody will have to assess that before we can go to yeah. the next level of needs. And so there is a particular provision in the Paris Agreement, that is Article 6 of the Paris Agreement, that talks about um, carbon trading. We, it is time that young people in the OP movement begin asking questions about the implementation of Article 6 of the Paris Agreement, how nations can benefit from um, carbon trading, how a, a young Ghanaian in Ghana can plant a tree and the tree will not become, sorry to say, a threat to him, but rather can give him money. That when people, you see, we should come to a point where there is a financial attachment to tree planting. Then we will move this from tree planting to tree growing. And that is when we can begin to experience the importance of carbon mitigation from trees. And so we should get to that point where there'll be a, an economical benefit, where there'll be an income benefit when people go into activities such as tree planting. That is where people will then will monitor their trees. And that is what the Article 6 of the Paris Agreement has provided for us to the carbon trading um, system. And so this one, the article is very um, lenient on it for countries to take it up and do their own negotiations. Just that they will have to see the um, IPCC will just have to be a moderator for the negotiations that goes on. And so Ghana as a nation, what are we doing? How are we implementing Article 6? Such that, yes, the nation may benefit, but how can individuals also benefit? What policy statements are we putting down so that individuals can benefit from this? And I tell you, when people start making money from this climate thing that we are talking about, it will become a place where everybody wants to come into. Because if I'm to plant a tree, and based on the amount of carbon that tree can sequester, I am being paid, say, even $2 a month, and I have 100 trees, how many dollars am I being paid in a month? I am paying a little about $200 in a month. $200 to the ordinary Ghanaian city. A dollar is now around 80. That is like 1,600 Ghana cities. That is the salary of an average worker or a degree holder in Ghana. And so if I would just go and plant trees, monitor the trees to grow, and I'm getting something around 1,600 cities at the end of every month, just monitoring the trees, who wouldn't do this? That is a level we should get to, where we attach economic and financial benefits. But how do we get there? The young ones must begin asking questions in this line, the young ones must begin using their social media platforms to put questions to leaders, to put questions to we the technocrats, to put questions to experts in the area. That how are we implementing Article 6? People should start asking. I have heard about Article 6, that it can bring financial inclusion into the climate space. How are we going about it? It should become the cry of the young people. It should become the cry of the environmental enthusiasts. It should become the cry of the environmental lobbies. It should become the cry of green advocates so that we can all benefit from this. And so to my audience, join us to push, especially with those in Africa, for our, our leaders to have this thinking that there's supposed to be financial inclusion in the climate sector. Thank you. Thank you, Otu, for this amazing discussion or interview with you. It has really been exonerating concerning um, talking about open climate and it infects its impacts and also um, solutions using various open technologies to solve open climate issues. It has it has been amazing speaking with you on this episode of Wiki Update. I'll be I'll be looking forward to speak to you probably in the future, maybe relating to things related to open climate or other activities in the Thank you, Jesse. Thank you very much. So I think we can call it done. And to my audience, thank you for your time and participation. Thank you and have a, have a wonderful moment. Bye-bye.
Wow, what an interesting interview with Otu. I believe you guys around the world have picked a thing or two concerning whatever we discuss, relating it to open climate and how we can find the relevant solutions to it. Otu talked a lot and I believe that this information made available would be put to good use. I'd like to say thanks to everyone for taking time to listen to this episode of Wiki Update. That is the Branch Magazine edition. I'd like to say thank you once again. Take care and bye bye.